welcome to the Witching Hour. With me tonight, dear friend, special guest, he won the only on Mr. Bloody Bill himself. Bill, how are you, buddy? I am good. It's been a long time. What has it been, like 30, 40 years since we talked? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think probably about since our high school reunion when we last saw each other. Hey, uh, I dare say it might have been before the movie was released, or was the movie out? Um, I can't remember. I want to say it's been a while, though, but what's funny is it got released, and now it's not released, and it's getting released again on July 14th. And I am so thrilled to hear that <laughs> you too, man. That, that You know, last time, we, last time you and I talked... Um, you you had a, a, a very emotional discussion about trustworthy people that you have met within the film industry as far as living and learning the hard way as far uh -huh. as uh, releasing and distributing of films. Now I, I believe the first time that we spoke that you were that you graced us for our first podcast, which was with you, uh, you you burst our cherry, and I do still uh -huh. thank you. Um, you were having some problems getting Circus of the Dead distributed, mm -hmm. and you had a very in-depth talk with us about that. So, uh, and that was uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say probably three years. I think, I think right. it was three four years. Yeah, this summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how is it going now? Three years later. Well, you know, what's funny is, is we'll rewind. So what happened back then is, is we had lots of offers and stuff for distribution. Sure. Um, but what you find out is, is, or what you should do, as I say, is contact other directors of these, these films mm -hmm. and, um, and ask them how their, you know, uh, relationship or their business dealings were with said companies. And, uh, man, on most of them, I just couldn't get any good feedback, you know, like, I would write 12 directors and get back, you know, 12 negative responses about right. things. Um, the business has changed, you know, since and since uh, Rodriguez, you know, put out El Mariachi. Uh, you know, things don't go to video stores really anymore because there's no such thing. Um, sadly, sadly enough, true. Yeah, the the distribution companies tend to say that you know only VOD is king and and hard copies don't sell. I still I still say baloney on that because. I made more on hard copy sales than I did on VOD when we first, you know, did Circus because I think, you know, horror fans want that tangible copy in their hand. But anyway, um, when we put yeah. out the film the first time, I ended up doing it self, you know, distribution through a company called Distriber. Now, mm -hmm. if you look up Distriber now, what they are is they're an aggregator. And the aggregator, like, they'll get you onto all the platforms. They'll get you on to, you know, Amazon, Amazon Prime, all this kind of stuff. And you just pay them a set amount. And their slogan was, you know, uh, basically in a nutshell, we don't screw over the filmmaker. We're here for the filmmaker. Well, they went bankrupt and screwed over the filmmaker, <laughs> which is, you know, namely me. So uh, now that they went bankrupt, I don't have to do self-distribution anymore because uh, Dread, uh, you know, Dread come after us and, and said they're interested in the film and stuff. And, and I always, you know, thought they were pretty cool what they did for Terrifier, you know, um, you know, with Art the Clown and stuff. So I thought, you know, I kind of respect what this company's doing and stuff like that. So we started having a couple talks and we worked on a pretty good relationship. And 
and things are going good. We got a new cover on the movie, uh, remastered, you know, everything, and and a new Blu-ray that's coming too, and a new you know VOD and stuff that's coming out July 14th. Very very nice. I'm I'm glad you uh, filled that in. I'm going to definitely be able to plug that a lot for you. Um, yeah, for, for those of you that have been hiding underneath of a rock, or are just claiming to be true horror fans and are trying to figure out what it is that this incredibly sexy Texan filmmaker is talking about, Circus of the Dead, boys and girls, probably one of the best indie horror films out there. Um, July 14th, coming up. Don't you know? Don't fret that COVID is going to stop it because it won't. Uh, I won't, yeah. And uh, for those of you that have not had the opportunity to see this film, though, it was first finished and released in, what, 16, 15? 17. 17, okay. Here, here's the rundown is we shot it in 13. Right. We did a, uh, um, a first screening of it at Texas Frightmare Weekend in 2014 in May. Okay. In 2014, and that cut of the film is like two hours and ten minutes. Now right. the final film comes in at 140. If that tells you oh. how much got cut out, yeah. Um, right. So then we actually couldn't get the release of it until early 2017. Wow, and such a great film. I mean, it's just it's iconic. It, it it truly is. You did an amazing job with that film, and I hope truly with the re-release of it. It definitely and finally gets its just deserved because uh, it, it has been sitting there for way too long. I've never heard or spoke with anybody who has ever had anything bad or ill to say about the film. Bill Oberst Jr., phenomenal performance, mm-hmm. and uh, and it is is quite the the uh, the fan of the film itself. It seems. He, you know, uh, he hasn't watched it much. You got to remember now, Bill Oberst in real life is just a sweet, sweet person. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he's a horror guy, is what he's portrayed to be as far as in these movies, because in real life, he's just a sweet, gentle person. Um, but we were in Bastrop at the cult classic uh, convention, and um, we got to do a screening there, and, and he was watching it sitting right next to me, and that was like a highlight of my life, you know, sitting next to Bill watching it. And he said, uh, you know, I don't watch these movies a lot, but, you know, I think he had a change of heart because it was so dark when he watched it by himself at his house but watching it with these fans they kind of go rocky horror picture show when they watch it you know they they repeat the lines they come dressed up they you know sing along they just do all this kind of stuff so i think it gave him a new idea of the movie actually you know resonates with the fans and stuff like that now that was really cool to see that weekend him getting to see it me and parish go to a lot of conventions and we see it we've seen it mm-hmm. been growing from a little seed you know into a big old tree but uh i think that was the first time bill saw that and it's like i think he was taken back by that a little bit so i was proud that he got to see that well and again he did a phenomenal job yes, in the film did. and you know that actually was something i was going to ask you about was seeing this film grow up into what it has become when you go to conventions or just run into fans or whatever whatever the story may be and you see people in cosplay or bringing you knickknacks, paintings, drawings, anything that they might have made of your characters, what, what does that do to you inside? I mean, is that, that's got to be surreal. 
it's it's very surreal and i love it you know especially the cosplayers and stuff like that or the fan art um i've gotten a lot of fan art but what i did last year is, is since i got married and stuff and and i don't think my wife shares the love for my movie that i do um and <laughs> and uh so so some of the fan stuff is over the top and stuff but what i did is i had it signed you know by the actors who they painted and stuff and then i got I snuck it and got it back to them this past year that was my goal is to do that so all those people that you know were on the train in the beginning you know I, I took care of them pretty good and and but it's just a testament of the bill the parish and everybody involved in the film from the makeup artist to you know the sound person and everything it's just we couldn't have done it if we didn't have the great crew and i know it sounds cliche and cheesy but we really did capture lightning in a bottle because of the great people we had on board to to do the movie you know from like I said, from the actors to the you know behind the camera. Well, I know you. I know you personally put your blood, sweat, and tears into that film, and I am so glad to not see it just kind of put to rest, so to speak, uh, and to see it, like I said, still trying to get it day. <clears throat> so with the re-release of it, um, it, it, to a fan of the film, uh, you know it, that means a lot to hear. It really does, because so many films get made, and they're good, bad, otherwise, and then they just kind of go in, you know, and they sit in the library, so to speak, and, well, mm-hmm. made years ago, and that's it. Goodbye. You know? Well, it, we were lucky in a sense, because, like, it, whenever I found out what uh, Distributor was doing, and I said, man, these suckers ain't gave me a check in, you know, a year and a half. What the heck's going on? Um, and they went, when they they went bankrupt and shut that down, that afforded me the opportunity to go to my investor and say, hey, we're getting ready to be, we got dumped by this company and in order for us to go with another company, we need to get some more insurance on the film because you got to insure your films and stuff. And um, so they didn't want to pay that thing. So they said, you know what, Billy, this is, we, you know, we only did this for you anyway. If, if you want to, you know, buy back your film from us, you know, we'll charge you a $10 and you can buy back your film. And I'm thinking, this is crazy so i bought back the film and then i had to spend you know five or six thousand on getting some uh, legal stuff for it for the insurance and then sure. we you know we took it to shop it and, and dread was you know interested and ended up picking it up so the fact that they went bankrupt and screwed us out of the money i would have never thought i had a second chance and to get the second chance and the reason i'm saying that is that goes for filmmakers is you're never dead in the water you know don't don't ever give up hope because you don't know so I'm excited to see what happens July 14th. This is what I wanted, you know, three or four years ago, is to get released by a real company, you know, with real fans. And, and you know, like the fans I got now, I love. And, but I just feel like it's such a small piece of the pie. Let's get some more eyes on it and see where it stands. Because it's like you said, it's it's very hard-pressed to find a bad review. And right. I might have found three bad reviews out of 150. And I'm almost convinced some of those people didn't even watch the film. Um, because if, if they don't mention how great Bill was in it, even if they did hate the movie, then I don't buy it. They didn't watch the film, you know. So. No, I couldn't agree with you more there. Yeah, yeah, hands down. So with that moving forward, um, obviously <clears throat> this year has been, wow, 2020 has just been a whirlwind of uh, what's uh-huh. for shit uh, for basically the entire world. Um conventions have been postponed, canceled, mm-hmm. shut down. And yet there is one that we do know of temporarily still a go. Um, 
in July, uh, end of oh. July, for Gross Fest 3 that you were supposed to be guesting at, that uh, that Bill Oberst was going to be at, and unfortunately had to, uh, had, to, had to back out of recently. Um, so are you excited to be able to... Now, this is quite a travel for you, obviously, from Texas up to Pennsylvania. Right, right, right. And with the whole, you know, because um, the cancer, I had a couple of, actually, we'll rewind to that. Is to me, the COVID thing isn't that big of a deal in the sense of, and I don't say that to undermine it to anybody that got sick and died. I'm just saying for me, I've been sick and dying for two years. <laughs> so uh, to get over with the chemo and then this happened, this was how I lived for, you know, a year and a half, two years with this cancer. So I was used to being quarantined and and this and that. So it was really nothing out of the ordinary for me on that kind of thing. Now I am super excited about Gross Fest and I do plan on going, but it's still so close with all this stuff. We got to see how all those regulations and everything's lifted. Cause I still wouldn't be surprised if something happened between now and then on that, you know, that end. So we'll see. And then I know Frightmare's coming up in September. Right. So hopefully things clear up with this Corona stuff where we can get back out there to these conventions and I can start filming, you know, another movie. It would be nice. Um, and Bill, you, you hit on a, on a personal note um, that I apologize. I was I wasn't overlooking. Um, I know oh you, no, no, I didn't think that the least bit. That, well, people just uh, talk I, about I, how are you getting you know this Corona thing hitting you hard, Billy? And I was thinking, uh, uh-uh, uh, man. I said, shoot. You know what's hard is being in bed. You know, shitting yourself because of chemo and stuff like that. That was the tough time. You know that I laid in there on days just having to ride a wheel out and stuff. I thought I was a done for. You know, goner back then. I did, I didn't think I had some tomorrow. Sometimes I'd I'd go to sleep crying and tell the wife, you know, that I loved her and stuff. Just thinking, you know, I don't think I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and stuff. So, you know, but hey, for some reason something kept me around to keep making movies as long as I can and. And that's what I want to do, you know, from now on. I, I put most of my energy into making movies, you know, loving my wife and loving my family and friends. But other than that, I just want to make movies. Well, you know, Bill, you uh, you and I have never personally met face-to-face. I know we, we've, we've spoken online. We've spoken on the phone. We've done now our second pod show. Um, you're a great person. And, uh, that, you know, hands down that the community the horror industry as far as i know everyone that i know of that has ever met you all love and adore you and um and you have you were never shy or withdrawn about keeping us your fans your friends in the loop with what was going on um it was really it was hard to keep up with and hard to hard to watch and read sometimes yeah but you were always a trooper, and you always, I don't know how you, I don't know where you found the strength, because um, yeah, we were all worried about you, but yet somehow you always kept a smile and kept the chin up. You know, you had the great positive out attitude, and, um, you know, we could see the look in your face and your eyes. You know, there were many pictures that you were very worried and scared, and obviously with good reasons to, and we're just we're all thrilled and grateful that you are here today with us um and we're very thankful for it and we're glad glad to hear your good health again yeah well thank thank you so much uh, on that and, and i feel the same way about everybody else um and, and and as far as that is i didn't do anything you know special all i did was you know tried my hardest to look on the bright side um going through the cancer journey um 
when it all started, I had two other friends, and we all met for uh, lunch one day because one of the guys, uh, Bo Perez, had to have um, – he was getting ready to go somewhere, and it was kind of speculated that he might have some kind of issue with cancer or something. And then my buddy Fred, uh, Fred Urban, um, was having a couple of health issues too, and we all met at this Mexican food place one time for lunch to cheer each other up. And um, within a month and a half of meeting there, you know, two of those guys have passed away. And, and I was at my worst when they died um, and remember thinking I'm going to be the third one. And that's what I think about As you ask what kept me going, it's that is I know they would have given anything in the world, you know, giving their shirt off the back for me or whatever. And I would have done the same for them is this it's, it's life afforded me another opportunity you know, to do the best I can. And not that I was ever bad before, but it just, it just, you know, I'm living for them and, and, and all the other, you know, like the kids that I seen through this cancer thing and, you know, made friends with people, you know, that didn't make it through the journey and stuff like that. So I feel like I have an obligation to, to bitch and moan about, you know, life and, you know, hardships or this and that. I, I don't feel like I'm, you know, I should be able to do that because I'm dishonoring the memory of, you know the loved ones that's passed so it's i think that's a good lesson for everybody <clears throat> is we're lucky to be alive and maybe the world's turned upside down right now and stuff but if we all just had hope and, and treated each other better and do for somebody else instead of yourself most of the time i, I think you know for the most part you're going to be okay amen to that brother and i am sorry for your for the loss of your friends i truly am they're all involved in the movie too bo uh that's the the old Camaro, the '68 Camaro was his, the green Camaro, and I remember saying I put a post on Facebook saying uh, I'm getting ready to shoot this movie, Search the Dead. I need a muscle car, and he popped up, and I said, Oh my God, that's cool. He goes, I go, Well, can I borrow it when we do a movie? He goes, Oh, you know you can, of course you can. So come time to the movie, and I told him, and he brought it up there and chucked me the keys. I said, All right, bring it home when you're done. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. that, that that lasted weeks. Um, right. But he was all right, and then like Fred was a. Uh, he had a bit part in the movie that got cut. He played one of the sideshow freaks. Um, but he would bring us food. He'd bring us workers up there when we had, like, a hard time cleaning up sets or something. He'd bring a bunch of uh, – he, he ran a wrestling school, so he brought a bunch of big dudes to come up there and help us and stuff like that. So he, he was like a brother, and uh, those guys are sorely missed. I'm just – you know, I wish I could have got them in a film, you know, having a bigger role so I could see their face every day. And that's the thing with circus is I can honestly think – people that had there's probably four or five people in the movie that's passed away since we filmed it and that's what's cool about those movies is for me to see those friends even if they're in the background or something it just it just reminds me of them and, and it keeps them alive in my heart oh that's great so jump ahead tell us a little bit about cowboys from hell then well cowboys from hell is pretty darn cool because of course it's a western and and I'm a big fan of the, you know, Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood, the new True Grit, even the old True Grit, but just Westerns in general. But, of course, you know me, I'm kind of a horror guy at heart. So I said, I'm going to mix these two and really push the envelope on a, a brutal, violent Western. Because, to me, Westerns were always, that's what it was about. It was like barbarian Viking days in the sorts. It was just cool. people, lawlessness. And um, so I wanted to do this movie, you know, for my, my buddy Brad Potts, who was in Circus, because um, he's such a great actor. And he gets stereotyped into so many roles. And, and we were talking when we were doing circus. And he goes, why didn't you have me come out and do a bigger role? I said, well, I didn't know you. And I said, all these actors I was bringing in, I was scared, you know, to work with them a long time because I felt like I was such an amateur and I wouldn't know what I was doing. 
Um, so I said, well, you know what? Next go around, I'll write something so cool that you're going to think it's the coolest movie ever. And that's what this movie is, um, Cowboys from Hell. It, it's basically a, uh, I guess, let's see, without giving too much away, it's, it's basically, I wrote it before the cancer, but basically rewrote it during the cancer. Is basically, it's, it's just about a man's own mortality of growing old and being you know, worthless and on, on his deathbed and, and not feeling fulfilled in life like that and just scared of what comes when he dies. Wow. All right. <laughs> oh, no, I know people go, oh, it's not about robbing a stagecoach. And it's like, no, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little different from that. Because uh, if you look at, you know, other clown movies and look at circus, there's no... You go, oh, that's no. Circus of the Dead's not really a clown movie. It just happens to be clowns. It's it's more of a uh, crime right. thriller. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, def- definitely a, a a dark road there with Cowboys from Hell. Looking forward to that one definitely. So, what's coming up next? What is on the Bloody Bill horizon? What's the next project? That's it's going to be that one. Um, we're buttoning up the script, and and we got a couple of uh, legends. We got like Bob Wall. From hi, hi. Dragon, yeah, you know, and then we even got a Joe Don Baker coming. And oh, thanks to Parrish, yeah, Parrish is you know like my brother from another mother, and he's even got a good role in here too. I'm I'm just proud of to get to do this. This is kind of Cowboys from Hell is kind of like um, let's do something fun <laughs> for me and my friends. That's that's gonna and do what we did during Circus, but you know we've gotten better, so let's let's see what we can do now. Um, but that's exactly what's going to be next. Um, after that, for sure. I mean, we got to get to Circus of the Dead too. Um, I got that story already laid out and ready to roll. Um, and then, of course, right. uh, Mr. Fister, I'm going to sneak in too because I'm not going to let people down on that one. Because uh, I was going to ask if there was, <laughs> yeah. All right, perfect. Glad to hear about that. Um, that so- that Mr. Fister thing uh, come about where uh, my wife's into uh, you know ghost hunting and stuff like that. And uh, I see she likes horror stuff, but it's more of the supernatural stuff. And you know me, I'm more of the the, the sickness of a person's mind. Right. You know, you know, more of the Joker kind of thing. But uh, anyway, uh, we're going ghost hunting, and, and I can't get around as good as I did. And while they work, and I sit in these buildings by myself, you know, I've just been riding and stuff like that. So I go, and I stay kind of security for these, these women and stuff, and carry my gun and stuff. And we camp out overnight in these haunted locations and stuff. And I just sit and ride and stuff. And Mr. Fister... I guess I pinned it, you know, just in my free time. So that's what's been cool about the Corona stuff for me and the quarantine is I've just had a lot more time to ride. Sure. Yeah. Now, well, let me ask you something dealing with that, because it's funny that you mentioned that, because just this evening I was talking to a young man who's um, who's actually been brainstorming. He said he's got a, a, a shit ton of ideas about coming up with a couple of different scripts. But with with the the quarantine and the corona you know it's kind of a, it's kind of a toss-up you would think that you'd be taking advantage of all the time that you have right right but yet on the other hand some people are just like well i'm completely bored i'm trapped inside these four walls i'm not even inspired anymore right i well, can't wait i don't have any clarity did you ever come up with that or or was it to your advantage well here here's two sides of that two sides of the coin on that one is that you can't force creative and i mean right. you could everything could be perfect in life and you could not be creative everything could be horrible in life and you might be creative the thing with creative is you can only be creative when you are creative and you can't force it 
it's always like in, in music and stuff is I'm in a band and I always tell those guys our best songs we wrote in five minutes. The ones that we spend five weeks on <laughs> always seem to suck. It's oh, the songs that go, yeah, they just, they just come out on you. Right, right. So what I say about that is forget about the movie thing for a second, just in life. It's, it's just I've learned the older I get is just to make good use of your time. Because we're basically, I mean, not to, you know, piss at anybody's cereal today, but, you know, it's take picture an hourglass and tump it over. We can only do that once in life for the most part. And you know what? It's it's we're a day closer every day to dying. Every one of us, you know, um, so you just need to make better use of time is what I tell somebody. If you're not creative, then organize and get your stuff together, or clean up or go back through your script. If you're not creative, you can at least go in there and, you know, fix your typos and, mm-hmm. you know, punctuation mm-hmm. mistakes. There's just always something to do. If you only have one thing to do, like write a script and you're a movie maker, you're not going to make it because if you're an indie movie maker, <laughs> you better, you've got, you've got to wear more hats than just that one. That's for sure. Well, there you go, Matt. That one's for you. Very well, very well put, Bill. Appreciate well, too, it. Also, uh, too, somebody starting out is I take that very serious as far as paying it forward. And at Frightmare, we do that. Uh, me, Chuck, Chuck Norfolk, and uh, Courtney Sandifords, we do that uh, fake trailer showcase every year. And when I got my start, is Rodriguez and Tarantino put out Grindhouse, and they had that contest for fake trailers. Right. And I did one called Circa de la Muerte, which is Circus of the Dead. And, you know, that's where Circus of the Dead, the movie, come from. You know, four or five years later is from that fake trailer. And Mr. Fister's a fake trailer and all that. So I tell every new filmmaker do that. If you make such a good trailer, you know, a two-minute trailer of something, visually that's just awesome, it'll hone every skill you have. It'll hone your, hone your editing, your shooting, your, your character design, your, your writing. You know, your lighting, you know, your scenery. It's like you're making basically a mini two-minute movie without, you know, without having to do the whole movie. Because I don't think you should just jump into a feature. I think you should practice with fake trailers. That's the way to go. And then once you do that, then just say, I want to tell a complete story in a five-minute short. You know, and then maybe do that. Yeah, great advice. I know you had that discussion with me. And I actually saw recently uh, you had done a done a video um oh i apologize i'm all right what was it no that's all right you don't have to apologize for nothing no no i'm just i'm i'm having a brain fart here it was kind of uh it was a q on on what it on what advice you give to those that are entering the entering into oh i i remember that somewhat too a little bit yeah it was just an introduction to something like that and I tell that to everybody, so I'm a broken record, John, on that. <laughs> because here's what I'm telling you, is you're going to make a fool out of yourself. If you're new, and let's, here's what I'm saying. Everybody out there is probably good at something, okay? Sure. And, and some of us might even be blessed enough to be good at two things. But you're not good at everything. You can't, you can't, if you shoot the movie, you write the movie, you direct the movie. Now, you probably do all that when you're an indie guy. It might happen. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, you got to start getting a crew around you. And that's why Circus of the Dead is successful, is I had the right people in the right place. But you gotta, you gotta like, get your feet wet. You gotta cut your chops somewhere, and you gotta start doing it. Even if you're not the best shooter now, but if if you're all you got, go shoot that stuff yourself, and just get better and better and better. And then send your little fake trailer to me or something, and ask for honest feedback. You know, I won't yell or tear you up too bad, but I'll be honest. 
you know. Right. You don't want to lie. You know, a lot of people go out and shoot and they're just recording with the uh, the uh, the mic, the shotgun mic on the camera, you know, and somebody's 20 feet away trying to talk a whisper dialogue. You're not going to understand what the hell they're saying. Little things like that, you know, is what I would do is I say, hey, you can see the boom pole here. What the hell's going on? You know, that kind of stuff. It, it's you got to well, cut your chops and get good. Well, you know, you, you call yourself a broken record. I, I would never take it as such. You know, if, if someone can't take uh, take a little bit of uh, of experience, knowledge, then, you know, hey, they're going to live and learn the hard way. And, you know, personally, I would definitely appreciate hearing some of those critiques going out there and making myself look like, well, making myself look like an amateur. Yeah, and then... That's what I'll say. You could thank me later is what I tell them. There's some local guys doing that. And and once I get to know them now, I'm hard on them, you know, because right. they're my friends. Um, sure. But they, they, it's okay. I don't, you know, they ain't got thick skin or nothing. I mean, they got thick skin, so they're they're good if they can take it and stuff. But that's what I tell them. I say, hey, look at this, what you're doing here. Think about this next time, okay? I told you this last time. You got to think about this harder. Um, that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's. I see myself as a, a Tom Landry or <laughs> Vince Lombardi of movie making i, I want to help them and just and all i can do is give them the, the advice and experience that i learned once right. upon a time and then pay it forward you know well, it's always appreciated well you know um you mentioned some of your local friends that was actually something on my on my agenda to ask you with everything going on right now uh dealing with the covid more or less um how is that affecting uh, your haunts well, the Hawk's been in trouble um, before the cancer because I guess that year I had cancer. I didn't even go out there in 18. Now, 19, right. I just showed up and sat in a chair one or two nights. But, you know, my guys kind of run it really good. Well, anyway, the city's passed an ordinance where now they're requiring a, a sprinkler system and alarm system and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And, uh, and in the old days, I was grandfathered in that. Well, they got rid of all the grandfather stuff now. And basically, I wouldn't need the sprinkler system if I didn't have a maze, but I see their point. Cause basically they're saying, you know, if a fire breaks out, uh, you know, the shit hits the fan and people can't find their way out. I built the maze and it's just going to trap people and get them killed. So sure. that's why they, they want these safety systems. So I get it, but they may, that might be priced out of my budget, right. <laughs> which is probably zero, but, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but I have to get back on that and see what's going on. And, and absolutely the Corona has slowed all that down. Um, right. but you know, I mean, there's still a chance if I can get it open, I would love to get it open. I'm going to change up the whole, all the themes and maybe start from scratch if I can find a way. And it's just like I said, having a second life on Circus of the Dead, maybe this haunted house will have a second life and we'll do something totally new out there and stuff too. And I'm not going to ever say I lost my passion out there, right? Um, but my passion has been shifted to movies for right. a while. But now I've learned since, you know, that, that uh, hourglass is ticking so fast that, you know, I need to do a lot of things, and, and, and I, you know, I got married, and I got a stepkid now that started working in the hot when he was like 13 or 14, and now he's, you know, getting close to 16, and, you know, he, he loves it so much, and to see his, you know, the the love for that haunted house, it's like now I see, okay, well, maybe if I'm busy with movies, you know, I, I know him and my managers and stuff, and we'll mm -hmm. keep it alive and keep the love going, you know, so. Wouldn't that be great to be able to have the family carrying on the, the, the haunt tradition for you. Well, especially, yeah, if something happened to me and I checked out early, but uh, I always thought, too, is like I was thinking when I was thinking I was going to die that, um, and I told the wife this, but the wife 
my wife's favorite saying, or it seems like she says the most is I'm an idiot. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think she was saying, <laughs> I told her when I die, I want to do, I want to be cremated and have 666 uh, pendants, like skull pendants or some kind of bloody bill pendant, and just mm-hmm. sell them to my most hardcore fans for X amount of money. And uh, then they always have a piece of me with them. See? So, right. Oh my <laughs> so God. I was thinking about some crazy things when that chemo was flying through my head. Be sure to send her our best. She's a very strong woman. <laughs> She's very strong. Strongest woman I know. I tell her, but I wouldn't be here if she didn't take care of me as good as she did. Because there's nights I just cried like a baby, just hurting so bad and stuff. So uh, it's coming, uh, I guess, a year after chemo. And shoot, it's, I still have these. You know, once upon a time, I never had stomach aches or anything before this cancer. But, like, just the stomach aches and all that. It's just, it's now barely getting tolerable now. It's like that chemo just wrecks you to no end but the, i think the worst thing it did was it, it, it gave me a congestive heart failure and they put a defibrillator in so my heart runs about 35 percent now of heart jesus and i'm like a big mac truck so and it's like basically the doctor is saying i said is it like a, a pinto engine and a big semi because yeah <laughs> that's exactly what it is so <laughs> you sound great though you really do uh, your your spirit is is one that I always enjoy listening to. Thanks, John. I, I do sincerely mean that, Bill, ever since day one and of your personal video blogs and talking to you, you've just always had such a great spirit about you, and and uh, and that's what everybody loves about you. And, it's all uh, phony. I hate everybody. It's just, I know you do. I know. <laughs> funny. I know. I know. We were talking, I talked to a parish, uh, I think it was last hour or two nights ago, and I was kidding around about him. Is he's real good to his fans too, and I tell him, I said, Parrish, I learned that from you and watching you at those uh, conventions before I was ever even a guest, just watching how he took care of everybody, and mm-hmm. you know, that's where I learned how to treat the fans is from Parrish Randall. Well, that's great. That is really great, though. You know, you guys can learn and feed off of each other like that, though. He he's a good dude. Like I said, he's a Texan at heart, and that's before movies or before anything else. It's it's doing for your fellow man and. And that's the kind of people I like to put in my circle and stuff and work with. So. And was it Paris that uh, just celebrated a birthday this week? I think he did. I thought so. I think he's like 21 and he can drink now if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I have to give him a rain check on his spanking. He goes, yeah, I'll just, yeah, you can do that. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll make up for it, though. Now, he, have you ever had him on the show? I haven't. Um, as a matter of fact, he is definitely on my list. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe that could be his, uh, his birthday spankings from you is to make him, <laughs> make him sit in my chair for a while. I, I'll tell you this though is, is I've never met anybody in life, um, is movie crazy as that guy is. Like not just horror movies, just movies. The golden age of movies, you know, from when it started to all the way now, the dude knows movies. It's crazy. Wow. Crazy. That's- I mean, like. Joe Bob Briggs level. He is. Parrish could have his own show easily. That dude is. He's he's a walking encyclopedia of movie knowledge. Right. That's awesome. Well, listen, Bill. Um, I'm gonna wrap things up here. All right. I want to thank you so much for your time, as always. Yeah. On a, on a personal note, it has been. It, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I sincerely mean that. Um, July 14th. Everybody be looking out for the re-release of Circus of the Dead. With the coolest cover you ever seen. This coolest, cover's going to blow y'all away. Newest cover. Yeah. 
Um, so be sure to, even if you already have a copy, because you're a true horror fan, yes, you're going to have to have the new copy. I mean, duh. you got to have it. And because Billy's the nicest guy, you're going to want to fucking buy it regardless. Yes, and if you get it to me, I'll always sign it for free for you. Yeah, and he will always sign all your stuff for you. Um, so, Billy, thank you so much. We look forward to speaking with you again. Appreciate your time. All of our best to you and the family. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for having me, John. Take care of yourself, brother. Okay, you guys, this has been John with another House of Tortured Souls production here on The Witching Hour. Talk to you soon. Keep it evil. <laughs>